From the South Dakota Statewide Family Engagement Center, thanks for joining Fam Jam, where we bring together schools, families, and community members to discuss tricky topics in supporting students. We're your hosts, Morgan Von Hayden and Dana Livermont. Today, we're going to discuss the tricky topic of building relationships. Now, this is a huge passion of mine. Building relationships is another one of those buzz phrases that you keep hearing in education all the time, and it's building relationships between families and schools, schools and families. It's going both directions, and it is super important. But you may be thinking, Morgan, building relationships isn't that tricky. For some, building relationships come so naturally and so easily, they don't have to think about it. And for others, building relationships that are genuine are actually quite difficult. I actually just want to say that the, the word building in building relationships has always bugged me because when I think of building, I think like construction, like I'm a bricklayer and I'm laying my bricks and I'm building a wall. And I don't think about that with relationships. I don't think we construct them. I think we actually have to intentionally put effort into them to make them grow. It's like a a branch kind of stretching from one person to another person and it gets stronger and um, more resilient the more effort you put into it and I think in the same way when we kind of allow time and and distance to grow between us those branches can kind of wither away so yeah we're going to use building relationships but I think we should be saying growing relationships honestly. I love that because building you're right it is like brick by brick and I've also heard cultivating relationships because that would be growing, so building or cultivating. But I I think you're right. For the sake of today's podcast, we're just going to call it building relationships. And I was reading an article from understood.org, which is an amazing website. And they were talking about the benefits of the strong student-teacher relationships. And this article was talking about how students who have experienced trauma often feel unsafe, even in safe situations, and that, excuse me, And that can cause adverse behaviors. But when teachers and students build strong relationships, their interactions cause their brains to release a hormone called oxytocin, which is a feel-good hormone that makes us all feel safer. Yeah. Well, science is always cool, honestly. But it really does kind of make sense when you think about it. And I would imagine that um, this could extend beyond just um, students. But when educators and school staff are creating strong relationships with families and having those positive interactions we are also releasing oxytocin and um which is strengthening the bond and and just the feel good about the moment so yay science i love that but you know what we've been rambling on for quite a while and we need to get to our discussion because we have some amazing guests joining us for the conversation today I want to start off with Jeannie burkhard mckenna Jeannie is the whole child coordinator for the rap city area schools And um, Jeannie, I just want to start with a really basic question because I'm guessing a lot of people listening into this podcast are wondering, when we say whole child, what does that even mean? Well, instead of looking at that narrowly defined like academic um, achievement around students, it really embraces the whole child and that we really start looking at the social and emotional growth of a child also. What kind of supports can be put in place so this child is successful throughout their school career as well as hopefully in life. It really brings in your your family's also working collaboratively um, with the school. I've known you a long time, and it's just so neat to see how, how you build relationships. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about how you've built relationships with your families when you look at the whole child? 
Well, home visits are a big issue. And of course, right now we're on a little hold with home visits just because of the pandemic. But um, really coming into a family's turf and uh, meeting with them. And the other thing is not to judge, you know, and I think that we lose touch as educators that we forget that the families are the first educators of these children. And we have to take, we need to listen to their input and their hopes and dreams for their children. Well, next I'd like to take a moment and introduce Janet Whiting, who is a mom of eight kiddos from the Porcupine area. Welcome, Janet. How are you today? Good morning. I am doing well. Well, we just heard from Jeannie a little bit talking about building relationships from the school side, looking at the whole child. And as a mom of of eight kiddos, some of them what I call belly babies, birth babies, you're also a foster mom. What has your experience been like um, when schools are building relationships with you for all of your kiddos? Um, I have a wide range of experiences. You know, when I talk to the teachers, you know, it's always just specific for the, for my child. And I always try to um, communicate very clearly about what my needs are. Because at first, um, I would just go into the classroom and I would be, um, you know, welcomed and we would have conversations. But um, especially being, um, you know, a foster parent and whatnot, I learned very quickly that just being very open and upfront about everything was the best way to go. Um, I've been blessed, you know, in one school, especially because um, one of my daughters was diagnosed with FASD, you know, prior to um, her coming to live with me. And I've learned a lot because I had to, like I said, be very upfront about things because there was no support here. There were no services. I really didn't know where to go. So I just had to make her needs very, very upfront. And sometimes that would just be talking about things that I see at home, but that I didn't even have terminology for. I was just fortunate that I was able to find a small group of people that I could go to and just be very, very straightforward you know this is what's happening and because of those really strong relationships you know it's just that I feel that she's safe when she goes to school I'm okay when she gets on the bus because everything is so well communicated with the bus driver to the lunch or breakfast people you know so I know exactly where she is throughout the day which adult she's with can I ask a follow-up question to that Janet because as I'm listening to you talk a little bit about you know, your story and your family, I heard you use words like, I can be honest about what's going on, and I know that my kids are safe when I put them on the bus. And to me, that really speaks to this idea of trust in the school and and them as partners in, in supporting your children. So I was just wondering, as I was listening to that, like, how do you know when you can trust a school, or what can schools do to gain your trust as, as a, a parent or a, a family member? It just comes down to, I guess, having that two-way communication, you know, where it's like a safe space. Trust is is huge. And um, like I said, having that safe space for two-way, that two-way conversation, because it can't be just me talking all the time. You know, I need the teacher to say something and you can really tell when they're, it's genuine or, you know, that they're really listening to you. And I appreciate it when they say that they don't know what to do but I will find someone to help with this situation. Janet, 
you're talking earlier about if it could be the bus driver, it could be the secretary. It's so many more people than than just the um, classroom teacher that makes you feel welcomed and has built relationships with you and your kiddos. Is that yeah. would you agree with that? Yes. I've worked with a tribal school up in the uh, northeast corner of South Dakota that actually pays for an additional day for their bus drivers to go and meet all the families. They hand out their cards, so they say, this is our cell phone. So they do it like a, it's a front porch meeting. So they'll just knock on the door and say, hey, I'm going to be your child's bus driver. Call me anytime. This is my cell number. And it's been, it's really effective. So as we're talking about all these um, people in a school who can also support the child and build relationships with family, I think that's a great opportunity for us to introduce another guest to our podcast today. Shibli Hodge is a social worker for the Vermilion School District, and she also does a great job at building relationships with families. So welcome, Shibli. Thank you. I'm so glad to be a part of this podcast. So, um, Shibli, not every school or school district has a social worker, and I know that many districts will be excited to hear about what you've done to build relationships with your families and why that's so important. So, uh, first, can you think of, you know, what was an aha moment or a moment of realization for the Vermilion School District to decide we need a position like yours, we need a social worker that can be a liaison to our families? Um, Yeah, so I am originally from Florida. And so every time I'm, you know, discussing the topic of family engagement or school social workers, and it's so, it's such a new concept in South Dakota, it always blows me away because in Florida, we have social workers that work with the public defender's office. We have social workers that work in like every school and every district. So it's very different. I think for the Vermilion School District, what they saw was a lot of staff being pulled out of their scope of practice to provide support for students and families. And I believe that that started to weigh heavy on the staff and kind of take their attention off of whatever they were supposed to be doing. Yet they also saw that students that were coming in weren't able to kind of focus because they needed certain needs met. Um, And I think they just said, you know, we need to do something about this. We need to be able to have someone that is well-versed, not just in mental health, but also um, in connecting students and families to resources in the community. And that is how my position um, came about. So as you're talking about that, what are some things that you have done to engage families and build trust with them? I am out in the hallways, I am connecting with people, I am walking, I go to each building every day um, in my first year of the program to see families, to go outside to say hello. It's just kind of how Janet was talking and saying that um, family engagement, it doesn't have to be me personally, it is also me cultivating a culture where I am to say, hey, let's go out and let's say hello to this family. Do you, are you okay? Do you need help? Just creating a welcoming environment. And that's kind of what I do to build relationships. I take parents um, to Starbucks and have coffee with them. And I take parents to lunch. I invite parents in 
for pizza parties when I'm working with them to bill attendance and they doing, they're coming to school every day. Um, I have ice cream socials. And sometimes this is with different families. Sometimes it's one family that I'm working with. I just try to stay present in their life. I mail cards to families to say, good job. You know, I know you started off with a rough year this year, but I can really see that you're trying as well for, as for students. I leave uh, cards in their lockers that says, I'm thinking of you, you're doing a great job. So I do everything that I can to engage um, students and families. I particularly loved some of the kind of out of the box things that you were talking about too, because I feel like oftentimes the, the walls of the school building can really be barriers and it feels very almost clinical, like here's the school and here's the family. And this idea that you're like, hey, let's meet for a coffee at Starbucks, or I'm going to send you a card to just say, how are you doing? I think that that if I was a parent and got those things or had those sort of interactions, I would think, oh, this person like really cares about me and not just is going through the functions of, of a school day. And, and so I, I really appreciate the effort and just the, the thoughtfulness that you put into the things that you do. I appreciate that. And I think it's very true. I don't think people realize um, how much traumatic experiences a student or family could have had in a school building. And it, it doesn't mean that it happened in your school building or that it was your teachers or your staff. Um, and the other thing is you have to be relational. I don't know in any situation where we don't build relationships with the people that we serve. So we have to be relational. And when people know that you care about them and you care about their outcome sincerely, then I feel like they are more inclined to um, come into partnership with you. Really keep seeing it's building relationships, it's trust, it's two-way communication. It's not just one person, it truly is. I mean, we look at the whole child, but it's really the whole school, the whole community when we're talking about the success and building relationships with their kiddos. Also today with us is Carla Miller, who is the executive director of the South Dakota Parent Connection. So welcome, Carla. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Could you give us just, first of all, a quick rundown, like what is the South Dakota Parent Connection? And this kind of sounds funny, but like, why do you exist? Who are you and what do you do? Great. Well, I love talking about this, so thanks for asking. Um, so South Dakota Parent Connection is the state of South Dakota's um, Parent Training and Information Center. Our mission is to um, provide information and training and consultation to families who have children with disabilities. So we do a lot of work with families, helping them understand um, what, you know, disability awareness, um, what are the um, services and supports out there for children who have disabilities, how do families access those, how do they work with the various um, providers, whether it's a school district or a medical professional, um, on getting those services and supports for their children. We answer a lot of questions from families on how do I get services and supports for my children at school. Um, we work with families in schools a lot when maybe those conversations aren't going well. Um, and trying to um, help enable families to be that um, active presence and shared decision maker in those um, conversations that go on about um, services and support. So Carla, I have a question for you because I imagine that there may be a lot of families or parents out there who are thinking 
man, I wish I, I feel so disconnected from my school. I wish I had a better relationship with my child's teacher or, or the staff that they go and see every day. What would be some advice that you would give to parents or other family members that that did want to build a stronger relationship with their child's school staff? So I think one of the things that happens in special education is we get these kind of rules and timelines. Um, and so sometimes parents can feel like the only time I have access to my child's school team is around those, you know, dates and meetings. Um, but really, parents should be encouraged to reach out to their school whenever they have questions or concerns about what is going on. And that those, those rules around when schools and parents have to meet to do the formal stuff those are just the minimum requirements. Parents and schools can meet more frequently than that. Don't wait, if you have a question, don't wait until it's become a critical, um, emotional, you know, kind of thing in your life, but reach out right away. Um, the other thing that we do encourage parents to do is to, you know, if they're gonna meet with their schools is to really sit down and think about what are your priorities? Um, because when you get around that table with all those professionals, it's very easy to let the professionals take over and kind of run the conversation and tell you more what they think should be going on and parents will lose their voice. I almost feel like it's almost more so our responsibility to reach out than the parents to reach in because we're so familiar with all of these processes. It's like we we do it every day. We go to IEP meetings all week. We go to 504 meetings all week. It's almost, not, we're desensitized. We're desensitized to what that process feels like on the other end, you know? Right. So I think the school almost has, and that's just my opinion, more responsibility to reach out to accommodate and make sure that they know versus having the expectation of like parents and students, you know, this is what you should do. Um, I love everything that has been shared because it's very spot on, especially about um, taking ownership of, you know, your roles as educators or, you know, directors or, you know, whatever it is, you know, in the school district or even support programs, you know, in what your, um, that everything that, uh, that the intentions and, and, and everything that a person does when interacting with families, you know, is, um, does have an impact. It's just one thing, and I use this quite a bit. When I first uh, became a principal early in my career, and my school had a large number of Native American students and families, I reached out to my Native community to say, you know, what, because I really wanted to bring my Native families into the school and have them be a large part of what we were doing. And I, I asked this particular elder, I said, uh, you know, what should I say to the families? Because I was meeting a group of families that I had invited into the school that were Native American. And he says, you know, we don't care what you have to say. We will watch to see what you do with our children. And that has been something I've used as a perspective throughout the rest of my, throughout my career. And I just thought that that was really powerful. I love that so much because it really is our actions that, that, speaks for for our intentions and we can say anything we want about you know how much we care and and what we're going to do for children and families but until we actually do those things and and show up and and show our families that we care and love their children um the the words don't mean anything so you're spot on Jeannie. we do want to bring the conversation to a close which is my favorite part so go ahead morgan 
So Carla, if you could speak to the schools, what is one thing that you wish schools knew about building relationships? I think schools know this, but schools need to recognize and practice um, the thought that um, parents do want what is best for their kids. And that may not be the same that I might think as a professional is best, but we need to go into interactions and conversations with parents from the standpoint that all parents want what is best for their kids. And I think if we started conversations from that lens, we could avoid a lot of um, angst that can occur um, when parents and districts disagree over services and supports or how the process gets mucked up and, um, and hurt feelings and ill will is perceived. Um, so I think we need to go from that lens of parents want what is best for their children. I love that. And I, I firmly believe that, that all, all families do want what's best for their child. And it's just, it's, we just need to work to build that understanding. I want to go to the school side of this and, and talk to some of our guests who work within schools. So let's go to you, Jeannie. What is one thing that you wish families knew in regards to building relationships? I think to give them that confidence that they are the number one, they are the advocate for that child. And so I, I guess I looked at it as if I had a parent come in and that was angry in my office, I took it as, you know what, this child has an advocate, this is wonderful. And to keep up with that advocacy because your child needs you throughout their school career. Shibli, what about you um, in thinking about relationships? What is one thing you wish families knew? I wish families knew that even though we, um, sometimes schools and families don't view things the same, that our ultimate goal is to send and is that for that student to be successful. And then I would say, I wish families knew how much power they had um, in dealings with the school system, that they are actually, they have so much power that they are essential to that student's success, that they're probably the most important part of that student's success. And so that is what I wish families knew. And Janet, what is one thing that you wish schools knew about building relationships? I just wish that the schools would know that parents don't feel like they're the most important part and have all that power. And I think one of the best things that I heard was about, you know, the, um, the roles that, you know, that it's viewed as the school has all the power and that is not where it lies. It's with the parent and the parent um, doesn't know that. Very well said. I love this conversation and I'm sad that we have to end it because you, I, I just, I hope that a lot of families um, will listen to this and feel empowered. Like, just like you said, Shibli, they have so much power and um, a lot of our families don't realize that and aren't really harnessing that and, and really knowing what they can do with that power. And so, and I'm also hoping that school staff will listen to this too and realize, yeah, there is a burden here on schools to reach out and, and um, to open up those doors for the conversation. Thank you everyone for listening to another episode of the fam jam. Stay tuned for next month when we talk about the tricky topic of mental health.
The Fam Jam is a production from the South Dakota Statewide Family Engagement Center, where we're committed to uniting students, families, schools, and communities together by focusing on learner needs from cradle to career. Music written by Tom Freer. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, SFEC South Dakota, and become our friend. We love having new friends.